Welcome to Let's Get Political, a podcast dedicated to providing you with all the information you need to know to make informed decisions without the media spin. I'm your host, Benjamin Copeland, with my co-host, Jessica Hargis. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Rebecca Dean. She's an associate professor of political science and an associate dean of the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Arlington. She talks to us about civic engagement, mentorship, especially in the political science community, and how people can get involved in their community to make a difference. It's a great conversation, and we're glad you could join us. Hey, Ben, do you know who I recently had um, come speak to Phi Theta Kappa? Um, let me take a guess. Uh, Elvis Presley. You know, I was thinking about that, but he was super busy. Oh. Uh, no, uh, someone we both had at University of Texas at Arlington. I reached out to Rebecca Dean, Dr. Dean, and she's super awesome fabulous. She's actually one of the main reasons I became a professor because I wasn't in this field of study when I was taking her class where she um, really brings political scientists to where our students are and to things that they actually care about and teaches them that, you know, there's a lot more to political science than just politics and cynical stuff that you see on the media. (laughs) Right, right. Like just the idea that getting involved in your community, like civic engagement, then leads to a lot more political engagement, right? Yes. And she, she like created this whole class. I wish she had it when we were there, but she created a whole class around it. And, um, well, she spoke to our group. She was one of our favorites. I mean, we got so much great feedback from her and I thought maybe we could bring her on and just, you know, have fun conversation and talk to her, you know, get a little political and, uh, see what she has to say. Absolutely. And, and she's also got a lot of information about mentorship and advocacy and, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. I think, I think she would be a perfect person to bring onto the podcast. Absolutely. I just want all of the knowledge is in her brain. I just want to suck it all out and put it in mine. <laughs> like a, like a, like a brain sucker. You know? I would love that. Can we do that? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think do that. Let's go ahead and let's bring her on. Excellent. All right, we're here with Dr. Rebecca Dean, Associate Professor at the University of Texas, Arlington. She is currently the Interim Associate Dean of the College of Liberal Arts, and she is one of our favorite people, uh, and we're so glad to have her here. And we're going to talk about citizenship and civic and political engagement and mentorship, and uh, I couldn't be more happy to have her. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Dean for joining us. We're really pleased to have you. Oh gosh, I'm so glad to have been asked. Thanks a bunch. So let's start with um, talking about civic engagement. And and first of all, what, what is that? So civic engagement is the way that people can get involved in their communities. And it can show up in lots and lots of different ways as small as attending a, an event maybe that the city hosts or that your local library puts on, or it could mean volunteering for an organization that you uh, believe in or a cause that you believe in, or then more concrete things like volunteering for a political campaign. And how does that usually end up becoming more, people become more involved in politics because of course this is a a a politics podcast how does do people getting involved civically then move into political engagement yeah so one of the really interesting things uh, about civic engagement is that it can start off looking pretty non-political so let's say that you've got someone who um, really has a heart for animals this person really cares about stray cats and dogs and um, volunteers at their local shelter. And let's say that in the course of volunteering at the local shelter, they're just really, they feel overwhelmed by all the stray animals that come through and maybe it's a, a kill shelter. And so, you know, then there's the heartbreak of these animals having to be euthanized. And this person is like, oh my goodness, why in the world do we have this problem? And that getting involved because that person cares a lot about that particular issue 
might lead them to investigate maybe what the city policies are around uh, animal control and maybe what neighborhood policies are around um, things like, you know, dog leashes and, and things like that. And so oftentimes it's just people who are interested in, in, in something. Uh, and then again, it doesn't necessarily have to be within an explicitly political realm. They just get interested and they put their time where their passion is and they come to discover that, you know, what we already know, which is that politics touches everything. And um, usually they, they feel either um, that their, their activity has given them a certain kind of knowledge that they want to put into action. You know, maybe they feel like the policies aren't fair, or maybe they get really interested because there's a candidate for mayor or city council who talks about this particular issue. And, and the, you know, the person thinks, oh gosh, that person is just spot on, or oh my goodness, that person's the craziest wrongheaded person ever. And so then that motivates them to maybe volunteer or maybe vote for the first time. You know, maybe they didn't realize before how um, really just everything that they might be interested in care about has a, a political foundation to it. Um, so that's kind of what it looks like in, in the everyday. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of research on this. And the research shows that there's kind of three buckets of things that people have in order to feel like they can really get involved. One is what I touched on already, which is the skill. And that could be information, that could be um, being able to um, uh, um, speak in public or maybe write a letter to the editor or write a letter to an elected official. Uh, part of it's skill. Part of it is um, just motivation, getting, having an interest in, in whatever, the, whatever the activity is. And then oftentimes people have to get recruited. They have to be asked. And so we kind of think about this as the, can I, do I want to, and has anybody asked me? And then uh, when, when those three categories are more or less satisfied, then people tend to get involved. Yeah, that's something I always tell my students that I don't think they quite understand is that politics really does touch everything. And, you know, one thing that I like to do is go through the class and say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and they they list something and I, I show them how government and politics is going to be, you know, in their in their lives, you know, with that job. And so it's, you know, they get they get really surprised about that. Yeah. And I always tell them it's better to, to know than not know. Right. And so once you have the information, then you can do something with that information, whether it's, you know, like I said, volunteer for a campaign or just talk to your friends. And, and it's all of these, um, you know, again, not necessarily explicitly political activity that actually leads to more political activity. Right. But they call it with um, Obama, they call them, he was just a community organizer, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I was yeah. always like, yeah, that might not seem very big deal, but most of the people that I know, once they have kids, all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, what's going on in that school? And now I got to figure stuff out and can I make changes? And so you see a lot of involvement with people. I mean, we get, you know, 18, 19 year old kids who are like, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with me. But even the people who have kids don't realize you can actually say something, you can get involved, you can help at the school. And once you get in the school, you need to have an effect on what's going on. And so I think um, it got a bad name for a while, the whole engagement outside of politics um, or all engagement is, pol is political and they just wanted to do something. They didn't want to have a name on it or something. So I like the example you used though. This semester I had somebody who was like really interested in animals. She did her whole project on PTSD, um, laws in Texas on how some people like fake it and just want to walk around with their animals. So they say it's a PTSD animal, that kind of thing. And she got really engaged in what you can have, what you can't have, whatnot. So the animal aspect is really easy to touch on for somebody younger who doesn't really care that much about stuff. But when she started looking, she was really young. And when she started looking at this, she was, she was outraged that people would um, fake a service animal. And she's just like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, you can. And then she started getting all excited about it. And this is somebody who's just, I mean, she's probably 18 years old and, but she just cared about animals. And so that was a good example and something that a lot of people can like connect with. Right. Right. Um, I teach a class on civic engagement and their big assignment is they have to choose 
something that is not for profit, an organization that's not for profit, but I give them a, an enormous amount of latitude. So that could be something really established like the Junior League or, um, you know, Lions Club or Rotary, or it can be something really non-political like uh, um, uh, animal welfare group or even, you know, a, a faith-related organization. So some people study their church youth groups or a, um, a mission group within their church. And the whole idea is to look at the ways that the, those three buckets that I talked about, the, the can I, do I want to, and has somebody recruited me, how that plays out throughout all kinds of organizations. And then we connect that as a semester. So they pick their, their topic early in the semester, their organization, and then they have to do some kind of on the ground data collection with that organization. So they could volunteer, uh, that they, they are free to choose an organization they already belong to. And so they could just sort of be participant observers in their own organization, or they can collect data through interviewing either the people who run the organization or who are leadership, or if it's a nonprofit service group, who are the, the clients or the affected groups. Anyway, so they choose that organization really early in the semester. And then as we go through the class and discover more things about these webs of connection, then they apply that to their organization. And I've had students choose um, like, uh, uh, like River Legacy Cleanup Days or the River Le Legacy Foundation. Um, I've had them choose um, like fraternities and sororities and they focus on the recruitment aspect of fraternities and sororities and then the philanthropic piece and like talking to their fellow members about why people join. Um, yeah, so it's, I mean, again, you, you find that connection to what students already care about and then sneak the learning in on them. So that, that's probably the, the best way to get involved, right, is to find something that you're really passionate about and then go and find those organizations that are, that are doing those things or, or close to doing those things and get involved. Yeah, and it's so much easier now um, because of the proliferation of uh, this sort of social media for good, not evil. <laughs> so there are, you know, there are Facebook. Right, there's and, good stuff. Wait a second. I got to write this down. Hold on. Right, right. Good stuff on um, social media. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag for the power of good. There. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, uh, so you, and you can search Twitter. We're using, using hashtags and, and meetups and all, all kinds of stuff that allow people to find these organizations. So sometimes students when they approach that assignment, or it's actually, it's more than an assignment, it's the class project, the course project. When they approach it, some are already plugged in, right? So I've had people who, uh, I had one woman who um, did Toastmasters and yeah, she was actually um, hearing disabled and she had been involved in Toastmasters as a way to help her with her speech therapy. Yeah, really, really interesting. And um, so she did that organization. So sometimes students do things that they're already plugged into, but what's really interesting is when they choose something, a topic, and they don't necessarily have an organization. And then that process of discovery for them is pretty cool when they realize, oh my goodness, I'm interested in co-rec soccer. And here are all the different organizations in my area that would allow me to play on more teams or know more people. Yeah. You know, I don't, um, I don't teach a civic engagement class. I teach a leadership-based course in my Texas class. And one of the things that the leadership-based courses they have to do is they have to um, do outside leadership. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I don't do any leadership. I'm not involved in leadership. Or they're like, I have a job. Is that leadership? That kind of thing. But it's always interesting when they look at the things they're already doing. And then they start talking about who the leader is in there. Because one of the things that I always think is interesting is, I mean, in my class, I don't know if, if you feel this way with civic engagement, is they're like, well, I'm not really that big. I'm just one person. So it's not like I'm making a change. And I'm like, well, you may not think you're a leader, but whatever it is you're doing for your group, you're an example for somebody, right? And so you could be a leader. You could be demonstrating leadership for somebody else who's doing even less or doesn't know what they're doing. And so that's something you always have to get. Like I always ask my students, you know, who are the leaders in society? Are they the people that we've elected to office or are we the leaders who then have to tell people, you know, the people in office what to do? So do you see that with civic engagement? Do you feel like people are like, ah, I mean, I just... I just volunteer, but I'm not, I'm not doing that much. Do you ever get that? Yeah, I do. And um, I think people tend to discount their own impact 
yeah effectiveness and one of the things that i find really revealing for students is when we talk about skills and we talk about the kinds of skills necessary to do the next thing and how the activities they're involved in now allow them to practice and get better at those skills and i think sometimes students you know they see professors especially ones who've been in the classroom for a while and they're like oh my goodness like like they just much must be a natural. <laughs> yeah. And sure, you know, we all have different gifts, but there's also good old fashioned practice <laughs> and, and doing things over and over and over. And the more that you practice, just things like being able to organize a meeting. And I say to my students, I said, you know, have you ever been in a meeting that is just interminable? It just goes on and on and on and it doesn't have any real focus. And you would just rather poke your eyes out with sticks than be in that room in that meeting. And of course, you know, everybody's head's not. Absolutely. And, and I say, okay, well then what would it look like to do that better? What, what, what are the kinds of organizational skills necessary, the prep work to make that meeting have gone more smoothly? And then how could the person facilitating that meeting have behaved differently to produce a different outcome? And where do you think they might've learned that? Mm-hmm. And what opportunity would you have to practice that before you like get in a job and have to do it for real? <laughs> and, um, but, you know, when you kind of get meta on them and you know, <laughs> pull back that curtain and let them see that, you know, people don't just show up on the planet with these skills. They're either, they've either learned it explicitly or they're modeling what they see in good behavior. It can, it can be taught and practiced and learned. And then it makes you better at the next thing. But here's the problem, is the problem in air quotes. Um, getting better means you're going to get asked to do more. Yeah. <laughs> the recruitment Always. piece, right, is that, um, uh, so one of the things I do at the beginning of the semester is I say, okay, like, let's talk about all the organizations, groups, things that take our time. What all are we doing? And then I use myself as an example, and I write down, you know, on the chalkboard all the things that, we, that I'm doing. And usually their eyes pop out of their head, like, you know, because I'm a pretty active person. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of, um, you know, local organizations. Jessica, you mentioned schools. I'm a big PTA volunteer. Now my kid's in high school, so it's the, all of the booster clubs, right? Um, and so their eyes usually pop out of their head when they see all the different things I'm involved in. And I say, yeah, but let's talk about, like, why it is that I'm doing this particular thing. Well, usually it's because I did that particular thing. Somebody noticed that I could do it well, and then they asked me to do the other thing. <laughs> and and what, what's, what's cool about that, though, is then it grows your network. It grows your network of people, people that you know, uh, connections that you make. And that gives you the intrinsic reward system of the warm fuzzies of, of having done a good job and got involved and and feeling connected to your community. You know, I think that's real interesting because you don't realize like the connections that people have, like we all, what is it? The power of Kevin Baker and or whatever, like (laughs) seven degrees of separation. Yeah. 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 Um, So, and you ask people, well, I don't know how to make change in that. Well, who do you know? And then I'm like sitting in the class. It's always, this happens to me every semester. I don't know if this happens to you guys, but I'll be talking about something like, oh, I don't really know that much about government. You know, like a month in, we'll be talking about something. One of my students will be like, well, my, my dad's a cop. And I'm like, why didn't you see that like the first day of class like yeah your dad's a cop he knows all about texas laws accidentally you've probably heard him talking you know more than we do like there's a network there's somebody that you can ask questions and they don't think about their dad because he's a cop he might understand some stuff about the county versus the city versus and so one of the things i love about just opening their eyes to the fact that they have more connections, that they know more people, that they have outreach. So if you care about dogs, you start with dad. Yeah, he might be a cop, but he's probably come in contact with somebody who had this issue and then helped somebody or volunteered, or you know how cops always do second jobs. So it's always funny to me because they're like, well, I don't really know anybody. And I had this one guy, we were talking for, I mean, for a long time. And then finally we got to this unit where we're talking about the, the justice system. He's like, well, my mom's a criminal attorney. And I'm like, in Texas? And it's like, yeah. I'm like, do you realize what it takes to be a criminal attorney in Texas? Like, it's not like I got the job and I mean, I got my degree and now I'm a criminal attorney. It's years of price. Like, oh, I guess. 
weirdly, they know people. They really do have connections if they just reach out. So that's a great point. And then like that Toastmasters thing, um, I don't know a lot about Toastmasters, but I've heard that the connections you make are insane. And like, you might join for one thing, but it helps you grow other ways and find other connections and lifelong connections. And I think that's a, it might be a generational thing where people don't think they need that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I I was just gonna, I was gonna echo that. And, and I was gonna say that, you know, these, this group of students that we're having in our classes, I've noticed, you know, this generation, what are we calling them now? Gen Z, I guess. Is that what we're teaching now? I think we're Uh, beyond Z now. I don't even know what we're Yeah, Gen Gen Z, I guess. Um, But, you know, they're incredibly passionate group. They do not lack for passion. That, at least this is my anecdotal, um, you know, observation. But but they get afraid of getting involved. They get afraid of, um, you know, they don't know how to, but, you know, we call them those soft skills, right? You know, how do you, how do you talk with somebody? How do you, how do you get involved? How do you make contacts and, and talk with people? How do you get outside of yourself and, and get out there? Risk looking, you know, embarrassing yourself, but at the same time, they don't realize how valuable that is. Um, but I cut you off, Rebecca, what no, were you going to say? No, that's quite all right. Well, the point you're making about the lack of, um, you know, we would call it self-efficacy, right? Feeling right. that what you're doing matters and that you're, that you're capable. Um, part of developing that is the skills that we're talking about, right? right? So that can be a barrier to someone um, volunteering or someone feeling as if they could make a contribution to some sort of political campaign. So it could be something like someone running for office, but it could also be like a, a school bond election or a you know a Texas constitutional proposition, right? So there's all kinds of issue-based, not necessarily candidate-based, but issue-based things that people might get involved in, but they might feel as if, oh, I, I'm not capable, right? I, they, they wouldn't, no one would, uh, no one would be interested in what I have to offer. And right. so one of the things that, that I do in that civic engagement class is we just role play. We, we role play what that's going to look like. And um, that also, I think, lowers the barrier a little bit. It gives them a little confidence. And then um, the fact that they know at the very beginning of the semester that that's going to be a requirement that they have to go out into the community and actually engage with an organization. And it could be as minimal as, um, you know, interviewing someone uh, and, and, or they could actually get involved and, excuse me, do the volunteering. Um, And again, I think the more that we can encourage students, one that the first time might feel scary, but it really does get easier with practice. And it's never going to be as bad as you think it's going to (laughs) be. Right. It's never going to be as bad as you think. And then to provide them that structure and that support system. So whether it's modeling what an interview might look like in class or um, usually my big projects have uh, iterative assignments. And so one of them is to tell me your data collection strategy. And so for some that might actually be an interview survey. And so they, they share with me the questionnaire and we talk through it and we I can help them you know, tinker around the edges and, and give them suggestions for how to broach a topic with, with someone that they don't know. Yeah, and, and I tell my students a lot of times that college is about honing those skills. And, um, you know, this is a very uh, maybe forgiving, is that the right word? Forgiving environment where I tell them, look, I'm, you know, I might be your first contact. I might be the, you know, somebody that you're going to remember and come back and email and say, hey, do you know, you know, something? And, and I tell them, you know, start getting to know your professor, start getting to know these people who have been around the block a couple times and they know how to get into certain things. They know how to, who to talk to at the very least. And um, too many of my students, I don't know if this is the same thing with y'all, but too many of my students are, are just afraid to even talk to me, you know, to come into my office and have a five minute conversation about, 
whatever. You know, some students are very, you know, they'll, they'll come in and talk to you for hours if, if you let them, but uh, not enough, I think. Um, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just not approachable, but, but I, I, I try to be, <laughs> you know. What, what do you think? Is that, you know, am I off base? No, absolutely. And you can really, in fact, it's so true that when students do what used to be air quotes normal, you know, what would have been normal 10 years ago, when a student does that, it stands out. Right. Because it's unusual. Uh, absolutely so. And again, I go back to these skills can be learned and practiced. So you do it in a low risk environment so that when you actually graduate college you know, out there in the job market, you feel more comfortable. You feel as if you know, I've done this before. I've, I've talked to strangers before. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, how, how do we, how can we become, you know, especially uh, this podcast is a lot for professors and people who are already um, kind of doing the things that we're talking about. So let's transition into uh, mentoring. How do we do things to help our students or help other people to um, to get involved uh, civically and then of course for us specifically politically so I think uh, I think there's two things at least that are super important one model it for them so you know each of us especially those you know we teach political science and so we have to make an individual choice about whether or not to let our own uh, partisanship or ideology, be clear in the classroom, and that's a choice that everyone has to make. But once you've decided how you're gonna approach that, even if you decide that you're not going to reveal that. And so my, you know, my goal always is that this, at the end of the semester, the students are, uh, you know, half of them think I'm a Democrat, half of them think I'm a Republican. Um, you know, uh, they think either that I'm uh, died in the wool conservative or terribly progressive liberal, right? Um, because, I want, that's the choice I've made in the classroom, that I want it to be about their self-discovery. And I think often, especially now with our negative partisanship, right? So we tend to think that the other, the people who are of the other political persuasion are fill in the negative adjective. I mean, Pew has done a ton of research on this that shows that people's opinions of the other political party have become increasingly divisive. Yes. And just ugly, yeah. like, like words like unpatriotic right. and not intelligent and not honest. Um, that, so in other words, Democrats believe that of Republicans and vice versa. Um, so anyway, back to your question. So in the classroom, I, I, try, to, I try to be an equal opportunity offender, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, but I do model for them the ways in which I get involved. And so even in classes that aren't those civic engagement classes, you know, if it's a class on the presidency and we're talking about leadership, you mentioned leadership, Jessica, um, you know, I'll talk about the different leadership opportunities that I've been given and how those came about and some of the challenges that leaders face. Um, and then I'll give examples from maybe from my own life, but then from maybe a, a colleague or a peer. And the reason I do that is so that they can see that like real people, not, not just people that they read about in books, but real actual people um, have had these experiences and, and, and lived these lives. And so I think that's super important that we model that for our students. But then beyond that, that we, we be the amplifier and the connector. So let's say, I mean, I'm sure you guys get lots of emails like I do from people looking for volunteer help, right? And so let's say that I have come to know a student and I know that, um, uh, you know, her passion is um, uh, gun legislation. And I see a volunteer opportunity for a candidate that I know cares about that. I'll send it out to, a, to the mass list, but I'll also contact that individual student. And I'll say, hey, I remember in class, so first of all, right there, I remember in class. Yep. So, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, the professor remembers me. And, and that's a big deal to students. Absolutely. Even more when they say, and I think you might be interested in this opportunity. Absolutely. I, I want to go back. I, I think that's so interesting. And I want to come back to that. But I also want to go back real quick to just talking about modeling in the classroom. 
um, some of the things that we're talking about. And, and I found it really fascinating because I do something very similar that you do. And I, I do not teach my class from an ideological viewpoint. And that's very important for me. Now, I'm not saying that every professor has to do that. You know, every professor finds their, their niche of how they connect with students. Um, but I found that if, if I were to espouse my personal viewpoints, I'm already kind of turning off half of my students to hearing what I have to say. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just not willing to lose half the class right away. And I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it also taints what you have to say again, because we're in this era of negative partisanship. So if they know that um, you were a supporter of President Obama, they're going to make particular assumptions about the rest of your viewpoints. If they know that you voted for President Trump, then they're going to make assumptions about the rest of your viewpoints. And, and, and that's just not helpful. The other th the reason why I don't do it is because it makes it about me. Right. And, and I always, always tell them, this isn't about me. I'm grown. I'm <laughs> going to school for a thousand years. <laughs> this isn't about me. This is about you. And your intellectual and personal growth. And my job is to help you be a better thinker. Yes. Well, I have three things that I do um, that I think are good. I get comments on them on my evaluation. So one thing I do is I have this um, very beginning of class. I'll put up these questions and you have to either agree with the statement or disagree with the statement. And it'll just be basic statements. It's more ideological, right? So it'll be some statement like the federal government needs to provide support when there's a natural disaster, right? And you either agree or you disagree. And then when you move to the side of the room, you have to explain it. And so it's not political in nature at all. It's just your thoughts. It's really hard for people I've noticed to make a position without knowing where I'm going which I don't explain it. I'm just like, ah, oh, put some stuff on the board and you tell me if you agree or disagree. So that's hard for people, but I, they come back to it. Like throughout the semester, they'll be like, remember on the board and you asked that question about this and this. And so I like that. Um, another thing that I do is I have this slide when I'm doing presidents and I'll just put up statements, but don't tell them what, who the president was that said it. Um, and you find that people don't know what they are if I don't tell them the president that says it. They don't know if they agree with the statement. They know the president said it, but they, they won't tell if they are okay with the statement or not okay until I tell them who said it, because they need to know who said it so they can identify with the politics versus with what the statement is. So I've noticed that, and that challenges people. So you see a lot of quiet people, a lot of thought, and a lot of like, oh my gosh, Obama said that? Wait a second, I agreed with that, and I don't like him. Um, or Trump or whatever, because I love picking the, you know, like whatever the weirdest thing that the people said. And then the last thing I do, which my students really hate, is I'll do debates in class. And so you have to pick a side. And of course I teach government. So we've done, um, the most recent one was the death penalty. So you have to pick a side. You're either for the death penalty or against the death penalty. You just choose a side of the room and you can get with your group. And they get into their group. And once they've selected their group, they have to argue the opposition and they get mad. And I explained to them, look, if we had a debate and you were going to argue against somebody who doesn't believe the same thing as you, you're not going to listen to anything they have to say. But when you have to argue for their position, something you don't even believe in, all of a sudden you start to learn what they're thinking and why they think it because you have to argue that point. And so once I explain that, people are like, ah, oh, that makes sense. I don't care about the other position. Now I have to argue it. Now I have to learn about it. So those are three things I try and I try and demonstrate like it's not about who you vote for. It's about what you yourself think. And a lot of people just don't think. They don't think about ideas. They don't think about issues. They just vote for whoever the person is for their political party. So I found that that helps. And then that also gets them to understand that it's okay to vote for multiple different people. We don't do that a lot. Ticket splitting isn't something that people do that much. But I have found that when I do that in my class, people start to think a little bit more on issues versus on politics. So yeah. we're, we're modeling, uh, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, we're, we're modeling citizenship. Good citizenship is really what we're doing. And, and, like Rebecca said earlier, just this terrible political climate that we're in now. Uh, I've got the three the three reasons rule, right? You can say somebody's, you hate them. I hate their politics. Excellent, that's great. Now give me the three reasons why. If you cannot come up with three reasons why, then you don't actually hate their politics. You probably just dislike them because of their party. So that's sometimes, yeah, I mean, you, whenever you dig a little deeper, people just don't think that much about it, especially some of the people we get in our age group. So I like the, the idea of going in it from a civics engagement perspective. It's not political in nature when you're just talking about 
bettering your community. I mean, when we get people, I teach Texas government a lot. That's my favorite class to teach, even though that is not at all my area of expertise. But what I've noticed is that people know almost nothing about Texas government. And so they automatically assume anything they have to say won't be listened to because the president isn't going to listen to that. I'm like, you're right. The president doesn't really care about you. You know why? Because there are 330 million people in the United States and he's not going to be like, oh my gosh, what did Dean say? Wait, I need to write this down. But your house representative, that guy cares. He probably lives in your neighborhood and maybe the mayor of your city lives in your neighborhood too. And so I like that civics engagement. You get them started with the civics engagement. You get them started at the local level. You get them started with something that like actually matters to them in their area, in their community. And then all of a sudden they realize that's government and you can make a change there. Yeah. We talk a lot about networks and how uh, in, if you want to think about, you know, leadership in your local community, whatever that looks like, whether it's elected officials or people whose jobs are, um, maybe they work for the city or they work for the school district. uh, There tends to be these, it's like big Venn diagrams, right? There tends to be these overlapping networks of people who know one another and who are engaged with one another. And the thing is, is either the students themselves, somebody in their family, or someone adjacent to them probably is in some kind of network. They don't know. And the more they become aware of um, what the mayor looks like, you know, who is the mayor? What does he or she look like? Who serves on the city council? What do they look like? Dollars to donuts, they're probably going to run into them at, you know, like Kroger. Yeah. <laughs> because these are the people who, who live uh, in our communities. Um, so funny. I almost ran into my mayor at Kroger with my buggy. I was, <laughs> I was going across, around, you know, an aisle and almost ran into him. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, mayor. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I tell my students that. Um, the the two not not the current mayor of Arlington but the two former mayors previous um, to Mayor Ross both attend my church and um, and you know and I said it's not like I go to some highfalutin church <laughs> you know it just so happens the church is in downtown Arlington and um, one of them the most recent mayor uh, really was involved like a huge volunteer in the church and because of that he got connected with a lot of other people. It's a pretty big church, got connected with a lot of other people. And if you think about, you know, these networks of, of, of knowledge and connections, it then helps to explain why he would be successful politically, because he's already in a lot of these circles. Yeah. We, we tried to do a fundraiser for especially local candidates at our house. And People think, oh my goodness, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of, and it really isn't, you know, and, and you know, like you were talking about networks, you know, lots of people, you know, especially when you, when you get into that good career and you're, and you're making, you know, friends with family and church and, and these nonprofits and places that you're volunteering and you start you don't realize it, but you have this, this list, you have a, but we, we used to would call a Rolodex, but of course it's just <laughs> a cell phone and of people. And, and I'll invite 50 people and, and get, even if I only get half of them, it's still a lot of people and they contribute money. And then all of a sudden, you know, the mayor knows who you are and the mayor values what you think. And, you know, if for no other reason, because you helped contribute to their campaign. Um, and people don't realize how easy it is to get involved that way. And it all starts with being involved civically to churches yep. or, or whatnot. Yep. That's exactly that's right. The problem. They grow up thinking voting. Yep. The only way to get engaged, the only way to have your voice heard is voting. And that's, I mean, that's man, not I want to take your class. Can I just take your class and not like, <laughs> go back to UTA? You bet. <laughs> Welcome anytime. Um, you know, it's, it's also, I think, especially for us living here in a large metroplex, it's easy to think that you're kind of anonymous because it, it is, it is a big place. Even if you live in one of the smaller communities, it's still, you know, a heck of a lot of people running around around you. But what you figure out is that, you know, that person, that mom who you are in PTA with, or you're in band booster club with. She is also involved in this other organization 
And it turns out that you know the same people, right? Because you're you're just doing what you care about in, in the first instance, your kids and their extracurriculars. Absolutely. So let's go back to your second point. Um, I didn't want to miss that, but you were talking about, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were really talking about listening to um, what they're saying uh, in the classroom and then uh, helping them to get connected with something um, that you that you find out about. Yes, it's so important because I think that very often young people in our digital world perversely and weirdly don't feel heard, even though they have so many opportunities to hold forth and yell and scream, right? The, the social media for ill, not good. Um, they, they don't often really feel heard. And so um, one of the things that I try to do, and I do it, we all do this when we teach, right? Especially if we're teaching and it's a discussion based class, you're, you're working at multiple levels at the same time, right? You're processing what the student is saying. You're trying to, con if, especially if it feels like it's maybe not exactly germane. You're trying to reel them in and, and find- I'm usually a, trying to reel myself in. <laughs> find a kind way to connect what they're saying to the material, right? Um, but what I'm increasingly trying to do is that, because that's important for the rest of the class, but also just try to hear what it is that they're saying. Is it that they don't understand and that's why it feels off track? Or is it because they're just not used to speaking up in class or they've not discovered, uh, developed that skill set yet? And so we, I do a lot of, so what I hear you saying is this, did I get that right? I, I think you were making this point. Could I get a check to see if, if that's accurate? And they're usually shocked. <laughs> that, you know, that someone in a you know, position of power, a professor, whatever, is, is doing that. But it helps me, a couple of things, it helps me know them better. It helps me connect with the individual students. And then it encourages the other quiet ones. Like, oh, okay, that person sounded not great, but she <laughs> figured out a way <laughs> to connect it. And she was really kind about it. Uh, and then that helps give them a little bit of encouragement. And I think that's really important. Um, the other thing I always try to do is even with the students, well, let me back up. Assuming that they've actually tried. <laughs> I don't have very much patience for people who are phoning it in or who just blew the thing off. But assuming that they actually tried on whatever assignment, a paper, an exam, whatever, then even if it's off in some way or just not, didn't meet the expectations, I try to find the piece about it that did or that was the just the wee seed of a good idea. And I try to encourage them in that. I still give them the correction, right? I still give them the constructive feedback, but I do try to highlight where it was good because again, you know, they're never gonna, they're, they, they, it's very rare that a person who only hears negative wants to continue. Right. So if you listen and you find that little kernel of good, uh, then it just helps you develop a good relationship. And then, you know, you never know, especially if students take your classes, take other classes from you. I've had students grow tremendously. I've had students take, you know, three and four classes from me. And the student that they are at the end is way different than the one that showed up on the first day of the first class. Pro tip, this also works for marriages. <laughs> but I hear you saying, baby. <laughs> exactly right. You know, I mean, it's 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 talk therapy 101. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I have a um, I don't do this so much in my American government class because the um, the media has a really bad reputation on some spectrums. But in my Texas government class, they have to bring in um, a current event that it tied, so I have different units for every, um, for the topic. So the whole semester is broken up into units. And then for every unit, they have to bring in a current event. And you'll have people, so my, my favorite one is local government. They just never, they bring in these articles and you're like, I don't know if this is local and they're so confused. And, and so when you start talking it through, I can always find, you know, it's government, man. I can find a way to make any current event article connect to any unit I'm teaching anytime. I don't know about y'all. And so <laughs> I use that a lot. And I've, um, I found also that it's, you know, like why they picked that unit or why they picked that article tells me a lot about them too. Like, was it just laziness? Was the first article that popped up on their screen or did they really search for something that they're interested in? So this all always connects me back to, you know, 
why are you here? What is your interest? Oh, is this what you're, and I, I have a lot of open-ended um, work. I try and get them to just, what's your interest? What do you want? And I've noticed that that freaks people out. They just want to know how to get the A. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to think. I don't, what's this creativity thing you're demanding of me? I'm like, no, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? You know, you'll do better if you're interested in it. And they don't seem to understand that. That's like government. They're like, how many people take the class? And they're like, I don't even like government. I don't know anything about it and I don't care. And I'm like, seriously, <laughs> let's talk about all the ways government has just touched you just coming to class. You know, let's talk about all these things. When you can point those things out to them, they get a lot more interested. Well, how can I make a change on that? Well, you can change the speed limit. That's something super easy for you to be able to change, right? You don't like that. You don't like this law. You don't like this law. So I like that when you bring them in class and they're super confused about why they're doing something and then you connect it to the subject. It's, I don't know what other people do, like in math or something. It seems like. I, I'm always the most gratifying I get with this job is when a student tells me I, I walked in your class dreading yeah. having to learn about government and now you know at the end of the semester I, I you know I understand why it's so important I and I really loved it and I, I didn't expect that and you know that's just so gratifying to me to hear I that. I get these emails uh, from students. They've moved. I had one, she moved to Louisiana and she's contacted me. She goes, I voted all the time after I took your class. And now I don't know what to do. Where, where can I help? Can you help me find information for voting in Louisiana? Or just the people are like, I vote now all the time. It's great. I'm like, yeah, you should. Yeah. I'll help you. So what about also with mentoring um, where we, we have them pass it on, where we have them, you know, I get a lot of students who will come to me and say, you know, oh, I, I loved your class. I love, thank you so much for doing whatever it was that you did. You know, what can I do for you? And, and um, I've had, I'm sure you both have had uh, people in your lives, uh, especially professors um, who, who did great things for you and invested so much time in you. And all they required was for you to do the same thing uh, in the future for somebody else. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Just, you know, just this idea of, of being, uh, just being a good person and a good citizen and, and helping people pass that on to other people in the future. Absolutely. And I think that it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before when people don't feel as if what they have to contribute is important enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, a tried and true saying, you never know how much impact you had on someone else. It is so true. Um, I have a, a mutual friend of, of ours, uh, Jessica, who um, she took uh, one of my classes, her my very first semester that I taught, started teaching at UT Arlington in 1997. And um, oh, don't date yourself. Don't date yourself. <laughs> that's all right. I, hey, every every day on the planet's a blessing. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm fine with how old I am. Um, and. Uh, and she, she deployed, she was ROTC and she deployed and she had borrowed a book from me and I forgot that I had lent it to her. I think it was an extra copy of something. So it, you know, it wasn't a precious, a precious item in any way, but she came back after she finished um, active duty and she got a master's degree with us and she came to my office with the book and I'm like, I used to have a book like that. <laughs> <laughs> And she said, Dr. Dean, I borrowed this from you as an undergrad, and it has been to Iraq. It has been to Afghanistan. I took it with me when I was working with Afghani women, helping them to set up, um, you know, co-ops in their, in their communities and helping them help show them what female leadership looks like. And it was just so incredibly touching. She was a good student, but I had no clue that that, that simple act of lending her a book would be so meaningful to her and that that she would think about it as she took it on on her multiple deployments um and i tell that story to my students and i say you know every act of kindness has a mag has a a, a multiplicative effect and when you invest in someone when you invest your time in someone uh that's important and i tell them you know especially if it's a student who's asking for some sort of um, formal mentorship opportunity with me. So taking independent study or supervising an honors thesis or an MA thesis, I won't agree unless I think that they are 
capable of meeting expectations because that just otherwise sets them up for disappointment. And I say to them, I'll do it, but you may not want me to. <laughs> because here's, what's, here's what it's going to look like. Because if I'm going to do it, we're going to do this right. And I'll make you write things over and over and over. And there will be lots of writing. And, you know, this, this is what this relationship is going to look like. But I'll tell you what, I'm willing to work as hard as you are. I am willing to work as hard as you are. And, um, and I wouldn't invest in you if I didn't think you were worth it. And telling them that in the hopes, it's kind of like parenting, right? You tell them that in the hopes over and over <laughs> in the hopes that it sinks in and then they go off and do that in the world. Yeah, and, and this same student has gone on to bigger and better things, elected official, I mean, nonprofits. Right. It's, it's so great right. to see those That's right. things. So um, let me ask you just a couple of questions um, about, um, being a professor about doing some of these things. So first of all, what, what made you decide that you wanted to do this job? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, really, it was, it was passion. I couldn't imagine stopping learning. Uh, when I was an undergrad, I, uh, first of all, I was raised in a really small farming community and the educational system was not real great. And um, I got to a good small private liberal arts college on lots of scholarships and grants um, and uh, financial aid. Um, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. And so I thought smart kids, smart kids, whatever that is, were either doctors or lawyers. And I didn't like blood, so not doctor. It's okay, I'll be a lawyer. And um, I guess that means I'll be a political science major. Okay, fine. So <laughs> I, I uh, take my class, take the first set of classes. And because my educational system was not the greatest. Even though I graduated at the top of my class, I was ill-prepared for college. Just knocked me flat on my butt. And my professors were awesome. Like they saw that potential. They didn't see the student in front of them who couldn't write very well. They saw the student with passion and interest in good ideas. And they invested in me and they helped me. And um, I pretty quickly decided that law school wasn't gonna be for me. <laughs> and um, I worked really hard. And because I worked really hard, professors asked me to um, do research with them. And that felt really good, like learning how to learn and learning the skills to be able to ask questions and maybe get some answers. That was really, really, really exciting. And that led me to grad school. And uh, yeah, that led me here. Another question, what's something that you now, if you could, tell you right before you started teaching something that you feel like would have really been beneficial? Yeah, so my teaching journey is kind of interesting. My graduate school was fantastic to teach me how to do research. Fantastic. I got amazing quantitative skills and research methodology, methodology skills. I was taught by people who were publishing the, the latest and greatest stuff. They did not teach me how to teach. And, and I um, also, on, on top of all of that, I never was a TA, so which is really strange. It's really unusual to finish a doctoral program having never been a TA, but I was on a fellowship my first year, and then I worked in a survey research lab for the rest of the time. And so the very first experience I had teaching was after I had passed my comprehensive exams and um, we had to take comps in a major area and a minor area. My minor area was methods, but then also political theory. And political theory was my second of my minor area. Guess what they asked me to teach? Theory. <laughs> theory, theory. My second area of my minor concentration. <laughs> yeah. And it was a Saturday class, supposed to start at 7.30. Did I mention I had never been a TA? <laughs> Never, ever, ever. And um, it, was, it was very affirming though, because I, it, I knew when I went in, uh, not, not when I went in, I knew after the first several classes that this is why I've been put on the planet. Yes, I'm a good researcher. I, I, I like that side of what I do, but educating, helping turn on those light bulbs, helping convey a difficult idea clearly is the best ever, <laughs> just the best ever. And um, 
so I think the advice I would give to the, the very new teacher that I was at 25 uh, would be, it's okay to be scared, do it anyway. Yeah. Just, just do it anyway, even though it's scary. It, it, it's going to be fine. And you're someone who works hard and you love to learn. So you'll get better at it. That's great advice. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I, um, when I was doing my PhD program, well, I have a weird journey, but when I did my PhD program, I was doing it because I was super bored at work and I had no thought I would ever teach or anything. I was just, I like to learn. It's kind of, weird. and I've always had lots of jobs. So it was odd. I just had like one job at the time. I was, um, well, I guess I do. I was an aerobics instructor. I know we had that in common too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'll go back to school and learn some stuff. And I was the only person from the private sector learning public administration. And so I was just really interested in the subject. And I never thought at all to teach, but I had taught leadership for years. I had taught scuba diving for years. I had been an aerobics instructor for a long, long time. And so um, I don't know, we had some project where we had to like get in front of the room and talk or something. And these people were like freaking out. And they'd never like stood in front of people and had to interact or teach them a subject or, and I was like, wow, what are you people going to do with these degrees? You know, I was so, but that's interesting that they don't teach people how to actually teach this. They're just experts in whatever they're in. I think right. that's interesting. And they just, you don't model the great behavior. You're just like, why don't you understand this? Duh. I hear that and a lot. Grad schools are getting better. Uh, I will say, you know, this was in the nineties. Um, grad schools are getting better now. But uh, yeah, and thank goodness that I have, um, I have some gifts and I have had really great professors and I, I believe in modeling. So I, I, I thought to myself, okay, what did they do that was so effective? Well, they saw me, they saw the individual. I could tell that they cared. I could tell that they were wicked smart and they wanted me to understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a pretty good starting place. Yeah. You know, you can learn the rest of it, like how to organize and classroom management and how to do your PowerPoints or whatever. I mean, the rest of that you can learn. But that basic foundation of I, unless you prove me otherwise, I'm going to believe in you. And I want you to get this. Mm -hmm. I want you to succeed. That's a pretty good starting place. One, One of the things that UTA did real well, and Jessica and I both went to UTA at some point in our educational careers. Um, one of the things that, that UTA did so well when I was there uh, for graduate school, um, and I, I don't remember if you were there or not, but I got to sit in as a student with interviews of prospective faculty. And I can't tell you how invaluable that was to me uh, as somebody who wanted to teach um, and just seeing and, and listening to the to the discussions afterward of you know what this person did well, what this person did not do well, what are we looking for, what you know, just all that stuff. And I I've never heard of anybody else ever having that experience. Um, but I sat in on on three, four, five um, uh, interviews of of prospective faculty. I I just I have that was so invaluable to me. Do y'all still do that? We do. Um, so we were under a hiring freeze for a while, so there weren't a lot sure. of opportunities, unfortunately. But that's one thing that we do with students that we know or we think uh, probably will go on for a doctorate program. Our program is a terminal master's degree program, and so people come to us for lots of different reasons. And um, But for folks who we think will go on to get the doctorate, we want to give them as much pre-professional experience as possible. So doing things like that, also bringing them along to conferences as a co-author on on a paper. Uh, I did that several times with students and that was really, really enlightening for them. Um, And then encouraging them to do their own papers at uh, local conferences or conferences that they can drive to. We try to provide them with a a little bit of financial support. We're not exactly flush with cash, but we do try to provide them with some financial support. Yeah, all of that uh, I was lucky enough to get to participate in and uh, helped me immensely, which is, you know, a little plug for UTA if people are looking for a good, you know, graduate program in political science. We would love to have uh, your listeners as applicants for sure. I like this whole um, civic engagement aspect. I don't, they just didn't have that when I, like public policy was as close as I got to the real world. I felt with political science, a lot was just a little too much theory and whatnot, but I love this idea of 
bringing it to reality. Cause that's it. When I talk to my class, like my, if you go to my class, I'm sure it's very different than some other people who teach um, Texas or American government, because I don't spend a lot of time on the theory stuff. I, um, Look, I touch on whatever the SLOs are, but it's like, why does this affect me directly? And I found that the students, especially as the years go on, they're like, why am I here? Like, what, why do I have to know this? And at first, when the Texas legislature said I had to teach Texas government, I was very unhappy. That is not my area. Um, I don't even remember taking a Texas government class. I don't know about you guys. I went to school um, from the 90s on in the state of Texas. And I I mean, I did high school and university, and I did not remember Texas government at all. Did you? I mean, did we learn anything? So when I had to teach this, but now that's like my favorite class because you can actually show them this affects you. And you can make a, you can have an impact on the world around you. Because people look way too much at the big picture. I love it. You know, people are blaming when it was Obama, they were blaming Obama for their, um, what, gas prices and speed limits. And I mean, just name anything. It was Obama's fault. And then all of a sudden it was Trump. And then it was Trump's fault. And now it's Biden's fault. I'm like, okay, guys, they don't have anything to do with your speed limit that you're driving. Like, move on, you know, that kind of thing. So I find that bringing in a civics engagement type class, bringing in more of a mentorship, making sure that they understand how it really affects their daily life. That that's huge to me. Now, see, I try to, I try to be a person that stops people from going to law school. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's my job now is to make sure that students don't go to law school and they just become they lawyers without the degree. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. They, well, no, they, they come to me and they're like, Oh, I think, I think I want to go to law school. I I've, I love to argue. <laughs> I say, oh, that's yeah, not <laughs> that's not what, what matters. Can, do you like to read? Uh, not really. A lot. Do you like to write? <laughs> no, lot. not at all. Do you like to research? No, then law school is not for you. <laughs> I tell people that too, and they're just like, that seems really mean. I'm like, all right, whatever. Let me ask you a question, though. So you have this great class. You um, encourage them to get involved. I assume maybe this doesn't happen to you. I assume you get at least one or two students who take the whole class and they're like, yeah, I just, that was dumb. I just didn't see the point at all. I can't even, what do you do with that? How do you approach that? Well, I mean, you just have to um, be willing to accept that not everybody likes your flavor of ice cream. And, 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 that, and that's that's okay. Um, you know, one of the things that I try to do in addition to the engagement that we've been talking about is I also try to explain to them why I do make them not necessarily learn theories for learning theory's sake, but there are different perspectives that are like lenses and you change out the lenses and it changes the way that you see the data in front of you. And um, exercising those thinking skills makes you then a better fill in the blank whether that's just informed consumer of information as you're watching the news or someone who does want to get out and get involved in their community or whatever it is that you do for, for, for wages, whatever you, you know, whatever your job is, those kinds of thinking skills make them better. And so I try in each of the classes, no matter what the subject area, I try to weave in these thinking and analysis skills and, and naming them Right. So, for example, I just finished teaching a class on presidential leadership. That's what I taught this semester. And um, the, the skill that they practiced all semester long was, OK, here's this case study. How might we trace from this president's upbringing and background to this theory of personality and then to this theory of personality and which one helps explain this behavior better? And that's a good skill to acquire, whether you like presidents or not. <laughs> U.S. politics is your jam or not. Like being able to say, this one help is more useful in explaining this phenomenon that I see, because why? And so I, my, my hope always is even if they didn't like my flavor of ice cream, then they would at least find those um, thinking skills valuable and they, they, there's a takeaway there for them. Yeah, but it's pretty depressing <laughs> when, when they get all the way to the end and they're like, yeah, no, I still don't care about civic engagement. 
Well, because you see this, I mean, I'm stuck on the civic engagement because I work with an organization that does a lot of um, outside work and a lot of, um, we do a lot of projects. We do a lot of research outside of just um, the educational system. And you see value to being able to be engaged in your community. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be rude about the people who are elected to office, but they're not listening to their people in their district. They're listening to the voting people in their district, right? And so, um, and so we always tell you, you vote, 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 so they'll listen to you, but it's not just the voting. I mean, they don't know that Bob voted for you, but when Bob has somebody over at his house and, you know, does a fundraiser for you or has a protest or whatever, but I feel like, um, and I don't know if it's the last five or six years, you just see like a lot of people just following, oh, so-and-so does it, so I'm just going to do it. And, and I like that, developing that thinking skill. That's why I say a lot of people don't like my class because it's very open-ended. I mean, I, my final project this semester was, um, you had to do a public, you had to talk about a Texas public policy. You could do a, a paper, you could do a PowerPoint, you could do a movie, you could do a video. I mean, and people are, like I got a, um, a book, somebody wrote a book and they like created this whole book off of, um, I thought I had it, it was insane, it's so good. Like creativity, because that's how they think. That's how they understand. And so you always get that one person who's like, this is stupid. I don't understand why you just don't tell me how to get an A. And I'm like, oh, multiple ways to get an A. That's not the point. So I like that you're at least hoping that they got the thinking skills and maybe the engagement skills, maybe like down the road, they'll realize that they have an impact, so. That was so great. I, I just, I love getting to talk to her. She is just one of my favorite people. I know. And, you know, uh, with Phi Theta Kappa and some of the other leadership stuff that I do here at Colin, I, you know, I try and be a mentor to people, but she just gave me some great points and, and just really jogged my member and some of the things that I need to be doing to help my students better. Absolutely. I mean, every time I talk to her, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm learning something that I can take away and, and, teach my students it, it makes you know what jessica it makes me want to go back to school i know i weird? want that class like <laughs> legit i want her just to can i just like audit that class and just right. I, mean, I don't really need a grade in that but i know can i <laughs> can i go back and get another degree i, I, I want to be a better person and i want her to make me a better person <laughs> right. i just think she's great she, that was such a wonderful conversation and it really was i think we're going to have to have her back on again at some point for sure absolutely if you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified the next time we drop a new episode. And if you would, leave a five-star review. That always helps out. Until next time, let's get political.